servant to each other. And he said, the Son of Man came not to serve, not to be served, but to serve. And if, our, if we are followers of Jesus, our focus shouldn't be on our status and our prestige and our authority, but it should be on putting each other first, on serving each other. And this is something that, that Paul's going to explore uh, in the rest of the letter to the Philippians. And it's not just that, that Paul and Timothy are slaves. It's quite explicit that he says we are slaves of Christ Jesus. If you read Romans chapter 6, it says you are a slave of whatever you choose to obey. Paul and Timothy have chosen to obey Jesus, but it isn't them who are in charge. It is Jesus who is in charge. They are Jesus' slave because Jesus has chosen to be their master. And really, if you think about it, a slave doesn't get to make the ultimate decisions. That is for the master. If you read Acts chapter 15, 16, Paul wanted to go into Asia. And God kept saying, no, no, no. And then God said, off to Macedonia. And there he arrives at Philippi. Paul, if Paul had had his way, he wouldn't have started this church in Philippi at that time. Paul and Timothy start this letter and say, we are slaves of Christ Jesus, but, but all who trust Jesus, all who know Jesus are his slaves. As I said, one of the, the main themes is, is one of humility in Philippians. And Paul's hoping, I think, that if the Philippians adopt Jesus' attitude of humility, which Paul is showing here himself, then they will stop complaining and arguing with each other so much. Uh, chapter 2, verse 14 says, Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Stop complaining. Stop arguing. In fact, you go to verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 2. There's, there's two wonderful women in the church, um, Cynthia and Euodia, who had weird names. And they were fighting. Of course, this never happens in our church, and this never ever happens in the modern church, but in those days, people who went to church sometimes fought. And Paul's writing to them, and and basically starting at the beginning of the letter saying, hey, I'm writing to you as a slave. I could stand and say, I am your apostle, you must. But he says, no, uh, please, think of yourself less. Put others' needs first. Be like Jesus. This letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus, just like us. And then he goes on and he says, I'm writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including this elders and the deacons. Uh, some of your translations might say, I'm writing to the saints in Philippi as well as the elders and deacons or overseers and deacons. Uh, we, we call this the letter to the Philippians because it's convenient to just write Philippians at the top of your, your uh, Bible book there. But, but actually, this is a letter to the saints who happen to live in Philippi. Uh, the word for holy in Greek is actually the same word for saint. And so when you, one's a noun, one's an adjective, uh, I'll check with my wife on that, uh, 
But the, the idea comes from the Hebrew for holy, and, and it means being set apart. It means belonging to a different order of, of existence, of things. What we know about holy is that God is holy. God is set apart from us. God is different. God is not man. God is God. Is God. His character is holy. We see that uh, uh, throughout the Old Testament and the New, that God reveals himself as the holy God. His spirit is holy. We, we call his spirit the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Son of God is holy. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 3. Great passage. We've, we've been doing Isaiah in uh, the Bible study group. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 3. Isaiah is there in a vision and he hears uh, these creatures singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy. God's otherness, God's set-apartness is holy, holy. And what I love about that Isaiah passage is that when Isaiah hears holy, 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 his reaction is, woe is me. He is convicted of the fact that he is not holy, that he is a sinner, that, that he is unlike God, that he has fallen short of God's standards. It's a great passage because God, God basically forgives him. It's brilliant. But God's holiness, we learn from that, I think, is a moral holiness. It's, it's a perfection. It's, it's an absolute perfection of who he is. God is different to us, but God is different in that God is perfect. God is always loving, always kind, always right. And then Paul comes along and says, I'm writing to all of God's holy people, to all of the saints in Philippi. So holy describes who God is, that he is perfect and righteous and never does anything wrong. And then Paul has the audacity to say, I'm writing to you blokes who are that. And as Mark said when we spoke about that song, does that mean that all of a sudden we are like halos above our heads and it's just the light's not showing it up very well? When Paul speaks about the holy ones, when he speaks about the saints... He's not talking about the spiritual elite. He's talking about all Christians. To be a saint is to be set apart for God. To be set apart as a believer, that comes by trusting in Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, Paul writes this. He says, God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure. He made us holy. And he freed us from our sin." When we speak of saints today, especially if you come from a, a Catholic perspective or maybe even a Greek Orthodox perspective, we think of people who have done particularly good things. They've performed miracles. They've, they, are, they are the people that we should all look up to because they are better Christians than the rest of us. Paul has none of that. Paul, Paul will have none of that because that's not what the gospel's about. He's not saying, I am writing a letter to the good Christians in Philippi. He says, I'm writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus. See, Paul's not concerned 
with what they are in and of themselves. He's not concerned with, with what they are by nature and in this world. He's concerned by what they are in the sight of God. Because by his grace, God has united us with himself. And his holiness, his otherness, his perfection, uh, I don't wrap my head around this, but just try. That's us. We are partakers of the divine nature, we're told elsewhere. So does that mean we are now perfect? If you become a Christian, you're perfect? Speaking from experience, I know that I never sin or struggle with any sin Oh, I wish that was true. (laughs) Um, 1 Corinthians. Paul writes to the Corinthians. The Corinthians was an interesting church. Uh, He says to them, I'm writing to God's church in Corinth, to you who have been called by God to be his own holy people. He made you holy by means of Christ Jesus, just as he did for all people everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Spells it out there. To be holy, to be a saint, is just to have called on the name of Jesus. And yet, a little bit later, Paul writes to the Corinthian church. He says, I can hardly believe the report about the sexual immorality going on among you. Something that even the pagans don't do. I'm told that a man in your church is living in sin with his stepmother. Blah, 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 blah. I'm writing to all of God's holy people. I can't believe you. Did you notice the incongruity there? You are set apart. You are perfect. You are righteous. You are, you are sharers in the nature of God. And what on earth is the matter with you? You could probably write a letter like that to most of our churches today as well, couldn't he? The point is, sometimes those who are saints live in ways that are displeasing to God. To be a saint doesn't mean that we are perfectly sanctified yet. And Paul's going to pick up on this in Philippians as well. One of my my favorite passages here, Philippians chapter 3, he says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. I don't mean to say that I am a saint with a halo because I never do anything wrong. Paul knows he's not. He says, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. You see, Paul's already starting here. He says, I'm I'm writing to the saints, but that doesn't mean that you guys are perfect. There's still stuff that I want to write to you. If you were perfect, why would I bother writing to you except, hi, how's it going? Thanks for the gift. See you next time be a really short letter if they were perfect, wouldn't it? We are broken people living in a broken world and yet we are saints. But notice the important thing. I'm writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus. Or in another translation, I'm writing to all the saints in Philippi or the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi. God looks at us and sees us as Jesus. And yet God's command to us is the same as it was to his people Israel in the past. Leviticus chapter 11 verse 44. Be holy as I am holy. Be saintly as I am saintly. Be set apart as I am set apart. Be like me. 
Romans 6, we've already looked at, being a saint means choosing to obey God. It means choosing to be a slave of God, to live under Jesus as your master. But also, if they are all God's saints, they are saints because God has chosen them to be saints. God has united them together and joined them into this this fellowship. And one of the threats to the saintliness of the church in Philippi was their disunity, was their fighting, was their arguments. When we hate each other, when we put ourselves first, we aren't acting like Jesus. If I will not talk to John because, you know, he kicked me in the toe three weeks ago and and I said something nasty to him and he said something nasty to me and then his wife hit me over the head... um, and I just don't talk to him, and he goes around telling everyone what a horrible person I am, and I say, Fran, have you heard what John, this horrible man? Fran says, shut up, Nick, that's not being like Jesus. Arnold says, no, tell me more. (laughs) That's not acting like Jesus, is it? That's not being holy, that's not being like God, that's being like everyone else. Paul says, I'm writing to the saints because I want you guys to be who you are. And he's not going to pick sides between Euodia and Sintia. In fact, what he says to them in chapter 4, he says, on the basis that you both belong to the Lord, just settle the fight. Be done with it. You are saints. Be like God. Be like the God who looks at you and has forgiven you not once, not twice, not three times, but you've lost count how many times. Be like the God who is willing to die for you. That's what a saint is like. That's what God is like. And Paul says, this is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the elders and the deacons. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Christians are slaves of Jesus. They are saints in Jesus. But we can only be these things because of the grace and the peace that comes from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I'm told that the from there is a singular from. Uh, Usually if there's two people you'd put like a plural from there. In other words what Paul is saying is saying... Grace and peace come from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. One combined entity who is God. Grace is God's incredible undeserved kindness to those of us who cannot help ourselves, which includes all of us. Grace is giving us the opposite of what we deserve. It's it's grace that Jesus would, would... humble himself, Philippians chapter 2, that he would give up all of his prestige and authority and become, or become a dirtling like us. It's grace that he would die for us. And peace. Well, maybe peace is what Paul experienced as he sat in that Philippian jail cell singing to God. Does that mean he was like, oh, this is so relaxing. 
Ah, oh, can I, can I, can I, can you stone me a little bit more, please? You missed a spot on the, ah, oh, that's nicer. That's not the peace we're talking about. Peace is knowing that there is no enmity, no battle between God and the Christian. Peace is possible because of grace. Sometimes we don't realize what grace does. And sometimes we, we shut our eyes to the peace that God offers. Or we refuse it or we, we just don't accept it. But, but because God unites us in Christ, we have peace with him. Even when things go wrong, it's not because God is hateful towards us. God is our gracious master who loves us. And, and, and also, if, if we are saints in Christ Jesus and slaves of Christ Jesus, we, we are that together. And God's grace has joined us to Jesus. And if I'm joined to Jesus and John's joined to Jesus and Janie's joined to Jesus, then all of a sudden, we're all joined together, aren't we? And Paul's writing here, remember, I've mentioned this a few times, there were a couple of fights happening, weren't there? Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. His kindness that's undeserved. Why don't, why don't you imitate him? Why don't you be like God, saintly like him? But, but also peace, God's peace. May, may God give it to you. May you know that you're at peace with God. But may you also know that you don't have to be at war with John. Even though he kicked you, you can forgive him. You didn't kick me, by the way. I can be at peace with Jenny. We can experience peace with each other. And one day, all of creation will be brought under the headship of Jesus Christ. And peace is the gift of God. God says, I have made peace with you. I've made peace through the cross with you and, and with you to each other. But peace is also something that we need to pursue. And when Paul says, may God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace, he's not saying to them, because I'm really not quite sure that you've got it yet. Quite often when we think about God giving us grace, we're limited to, well, God has saved us there. He, grace is Jesus dying on the cross. And it is. That's incredible. But, but Paul's not writing to them saying, I'm writing to all of the saints. May God save you. He says, I'm writing to all of the saints who are saved by God. May he give you grace and may he give you peace. Quite frankly, because we're pretty good at, at throwing it out when God gives it to us sometimes. But Paul writes to them and he says to them, I want you to know God's continued grace and I want you to know God's continued peace because God doesn't change. God wasn't gracious to you once in the past. God will be gracious to you today. God will be gracious to you tomorrow. In fact, Paul writes elsewhere that where sin increases, grace increases all the more. That's Romans chapter 5 and 6. And it's quite good that Paul says, may God give you grace and peace. Because quite frankly, even though we are saints, even though we are slaves of Christ, we are still broken sinners who are in great need of grace and peace. Not only for ourselves from God, but from God to dispense to each other. Because quite frankly, you guys are broken people who mess up all the time as well. That's what we are. We're people. We need God's grace and we need God's peace for ourselves and to dish out to each other. So we've looked, two verses. You're probably sitting there going, I cannot believe that, wow, he has spoken for half an hour. He's spoken for half an hour on two verses. What is he going to do next week when he's got seven? 
Bring your, bring your, yeah, your dinner. <laughs> Let me just finish on this and say it's actually all about Jesus, isn't it? You notice the, the little words in there. This letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus, writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus. And may God, our Father and Lord Jesus Christ, give you grace and peace. You see, Paul is the servant of Christ Jesus. We are saints in Christ Jesus. We are also servants of Christ Jesus. Grace and peace come from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus. Everything comes from having a relationship with Jesus. It's about growing to be like Jesus. Uh, Paul, chapter 2, verse 1, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together with the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, uh, working together with one mind and one purpose. In other words, Jesus is our incentive to be like Jesus. He says, be like Jesus because of all that he's done for you. Jesus is all the strength that we need. Paul's going to write in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. He's going to say to us, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. You you can't live without Jesus. You are saints, you are slaves, but you need his strength. And that comes via the grace of of Jesus. Paul's going to say to them, uh, let Jesus' heart become your heart. He he says in verse uh, 8 of chapter 1, God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. Paul's saying, my heart is not just because I'm a wonderful person who loves you. I love you with the love of Jesus. It all comes from having a relationship with Jesus. Paul says in chapter 2 verse 5, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. You see, strangely enough, the whole of Paul's letter to the Philippians is about Jesus and how we are related to him. And Paul wasn't content to just write, from Paul to you blokes over there, g'day. No, right from the start, Paul wants to say, guys, from someone who is only a person because of what Jesus has done, to people who are just partakers in the nature of God, and not just g'day, but wow, may God just fill you up, overflowing with who he is. This isn't just a boilerplate thing that you put at the top of the letter. This is Paul telling us who we are. Paul's going to say if we, if we live in, in Jesus and if we choose to trust him, then his peace will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Because of Jesus, we are set apart. We've been given God's holiness. We are his slaves. He, he gives us all that we need to secure our past, our present, our future, our eternal welfare. His grace has rescued us and his grace stays with us. His peace has broken down the dividing wall between us and with God and his peace, if we seek it, can be with us today even. Even while Paul was in jail, he writes about peace. Brothers and sisters, you are slaves, you are saints, and you can only do it with Jesus and through his grace and his peace. Are we perfect yet? 
Some of us are further along than others. Some of us are humble. You know what they say, pride used to be my only fault. Some of us are further ahead than others. It looks a bit like a snail race from God's perspective, I think. Paul says, chapter 3, Brothers and sisters, I haven't achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. I forget the past. I look forward to what lies ahead, and I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. I am a slave. You are a slave. I am a saint. You are a saint. Grace and peace. Amen.